Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Christian Skeptic. I'm your host, Sean Kerwin, and as always, it's my mission to take an honest look at our questions about Christianity through the lens of logic and reason. I'm not here to preach at you, just to start a conversation with you. I hope you enjoy the show. What is up, people? Are you guys ready? So today, I want to... I finally got all the audio edited and put together for the part two of my conversation with Sharon Angel. So today I want to share that with you guys. If you remember, we last left off, we were talking about the Christian life and kind of Sharon's journey and discovery through that as she left India, came to America. We talked about the patriarchal systems of both cultures and what it's like to discover Christianity within that. So without further ado, here's the rest of the audio, uh, the rest of the conversation between Sharon and I. I think the Christian life is very uncomfortable to live by, you know, this is what the Bible says, this is what I need to do. It is not a comfortable journey and it's not as advertised, you know, like at least for me growing up when um, like uh, the messages I've heard is come to Christ, everything will be fine. It will be fine, it will, but it will have a honeymoon phase of like a couple weeks, a couple months. But then after that, life gets real and you have to kind of you're kind of on your own and the minute you really start knowing god for who he who he is it's it's uncomfortable it is uncomfortable because he will challenge you he will put you through the fire and then once you're out of it there is only like a short period of oh everything's fine peaceful and then you like you're thrown in the fire again Uh, Not to say that God allows certain things to happen, but if you want to become better in any relationship, you have to go through those hardships. And going through those hardships will test your tenacity as to who you are as an individual. And I don't think a lot of Christians or a lot of people want to agree with that because what was advertised to become a Christian is life is going to be simple, life is going to be easy. I think to that point, uh, I just did an episode uh, not too long ago uh, on the difference between Catholicism and Protestantism. Uh, I titled it kind of sarcastically, almost our Catholics Christians too. Um, but but I note that one of the strengths, I think, at least in, in my view of it, that the Catholic Church has, that the Orthodox and the Protestant Church or sect of Christianity doesn't have, is that when you walk into a Catholic Church and you always see a crucifix. And you walk into an Orthodox or a Protestant church and you see a cross, and there's good reasoning behind both. And I don't know that one's necessarily right and one's necessarily wrong, because the Protestants and the Orthodox have the view that, well, Jesus is off the cross now. He's raised from the dead, and we want to celebrate the resurrection. But Catholics hold the view, or at least the Catholic doctrine holds the view, that we preach Christ and Christ crucified like Paul said. And so there's kind of an emphasis on suffering in Catholicism. And I think that's where we get Mother Teresa's from in Catholicism, is that there's a, a confrontation where in Orthodox and Protestant practices, Good Friday and Easter are celebratory. In Catholic practices, they're a bit more somber. There's, there is a celebration. Catholics believe in the resurrection, just like Orthodox and Protestants do. There's, different, there's a lot of differences between the religions. But I think there's, there's a good emphasis on there's a good enough emphasis on suffering that I don't think we have necessarily, especially in the Western evangelical church. We don't No, Why would we have it? Because we have our phones to like give us everything that we need right now. And 
technology has made it so much more difficult to experience any kind of discomfort. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. But no, no, you're totally fine. The message is still the same. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross and come after me. Right. And I also think that we have become as a society more impatient. We want answers and we want it now. But because you mentioned Mother Mother Teresa, um, the Catholic Church was one of the first to start serving the community, right? They started by uh, giving out alms, giving food for the poor, inviting uh, strangers, homeless into the church and just feeding them, giving them blankets, giving them homes to live, which is noble. And, you know, our religion kind of tells us to do that. Um, but they were the ones who acted on it first. And I think from my life experience, I've seen that where wherever I have found discomfort, wherever I have found pain, when I share that story, other people are able to relate with me on that, on that pain, on that suffering, on that hardship. And I'm able to speak to them and I'm able to relate with them because one, I have freedom from that pain. I'm not in that shame, guilt, that those cycles anymore. But two, um, freedom is addictive. Freedom is contagious. And once you have the confidence and you say, I'm free and I want you to be free as well, your actions will dictate that. So that's why just lavishing love on people, whatever that might look like, whether it's helping the homeless or going to a domestic survivor um, home and just sitting with them and talking to them, that's healing. Um, And that kind of action to say that I am healed, I am free, but it was only because I realized the pain that I was in. I realized going through this journey was hard and I don't want you to go through that as well. Let me share with you my time. Let me share with you what I went through so that you don't have to go through that. You might have your own battles. You might go through some something completely different, but at least take some of my life experience and don't go through that. Or the person who was talking to them, let me relieve you of this pain. Um, let me talk to you so that maybe you get healed in the slightest sense, in the smallest way from that pain. And I think the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church, there are several aspects to it uh, that help in that area. One is more action-based, one is more theology-based. Um, and I think both of that is important to the process of healing, the po- process of finding freedom. I think as we get healed in our spirit, in our mind, in our body, the theology of how this healing is taking place or how do I see God differently? How do I experience him um, more closely and deeper is also important. So that's why critical thinking, asking those questions and also having the courage to accept those answers is very important. And with this social media generation, with the upcoming generations, with the struggles that they are born into, uh, it is becoming very difficult because this next generation, they are not exposed to pain whatsoever. They are not exposed to suffering or discomfort whatsoever. They are born in the generation of, I swipe and I get everything um, in the palm of my hands. So I think when they have the slightest problem or the slightest discomfort, it kind of propels them and throws them on the other end to question everything in life. 
Um, and I think it's good, but also kind of when you're doing the question, I would say questioning, I would say put it into boxes, put in, put it into compartments and be ready to accept whatever answer you get. So on that subject, um, there is, especially in the social media generation, kind of a trendiness towards some of the more Eastern mm. religions, you know, um, there's, mm. I don't know if it's an ideological push, but there's definitely like, like an emotional and maybe influencer type push that way. So onto the subject of caring for the poor that you just brought up and all of the charities that have come out of the church, how is that different in India? How is that different in a culture heavily influenced by Hinduism? And what, what influence does Hinduism have on that? And I know in your podcast, you talked about the caste system very honestly, and I, I appreciate you very much for doing that in your podcast. But uh, give us a little taste of what, what the influence of Hinduism has on those things you were just talking about. Yeah, um, India is a Hindu country primarily, but has many minority religions. When I grew up, I went to a Christian school, but I was surrounded by girls and boys from different religions, different languages that I am very grateful for. In the Christian school? In a Christian school, yes. Okay. Uh, my The girl who shares the seat with me, um, she was Hindu. And then on the other side, there was a Jain uh, girl speaking Hindi, Gujarati, and so on. So. I'm very grateful for that exposure. I'm very grateful for that experience because for me growing up, you know, like 10, 15 years ago when I was in high school, I picked up on all of these languages. I kind of have an introduction to what Hinduism is, what Jainism is, what um, the Islam religion is. I have an introduction to it. I'm not, you know, an expert on it. But growing up with those differences and still embracing those differences and showing mutual respect to each other makes you, a, I think, makes you a well-rounded human because your faith, the core of who you are, is different. But then you are able to coexist in peace and, you know, putting humanity first. You are human. You are a girl. You are a boy. I see that. Uh, you don't look like me. You're not the same color as me. You're not the same caste as me. You're not the same religion as me. But I will still choose to be your friend looking at all those differences. Um, it was great. Uh, we did not have any religious tensions uh, or language tensions when we were in when I was in high school. But now um, I see that many tensions are instigated by religion, by faith. Um, this is very hard to say, and I want to and I want to say it in the right way. Uh, I don't want to offend anybody's feelings, but. Recently, um, you know, high school students and college students, they had a rivalry against each other. They were, they were kind of pitted against each other, Hindu versus Muslim girls, where they, you know, are you, you're, you're in an educational, you're in school, you're in college. So why do you wear a burqa? Why do you wear a head covering? Um, you're coming to get an education, so you should not need to put you, you know, express your religion, express your faith. So, and this was back in India? This, yes, this is, this was in India and this was a couple months ago. Um, and so these 
um, the so so the Hindu girls they came out wearing orange scarves around their neck, which they've never worn that before. Uh, they started wearing orange scarves around their neck and saying, "If you are going to practice that, we will practice that too." Um, and then you know there was a clash between you know physical assault, um, girls fighting, young boys coming in and fighting for the Hindu um, girls nasty ugly um hmm. and very sad as well like why would you want high schoolers why would you want teenagers pitted against each other in the name of religion i was heartbroken to see that because this is the time when you're shaping young minds you're sending them to school you're sending them to college to receive an education on the grounds of we are all equal to for them to learn about peace, about coexistence, about harmony, because this is the future generation that's going to build an India on the grounds of economy, industry, and so many other things. And if you're teaching them to see religion first, to see differences first, then what are they going to do when they become young adults? What are they going to do when they become adults? And I don't think that's the right way to approach um, humanity. I don't think that's the right way to approach society. Moving forward, um, the caste system in the Hindu religion, that is something that they observe that is one of their belief systems, that is one of their uh, core values. But in India, I'm not sure if this is because India is a Hindu country, um, many Christians and Muslims also follow the caste system. And my question is, where's the caste system in the Bible? Why are Christians following the caste system? And why are we following the class system when, you know, Jesus comes to break all of that and say, everybody's equal in my eyes. I created, God created man and woman, woman in his image. So why are we saying that somebody is beneath somebody else? And, you know, when you're looking for a groom, when you're looking for a bride that comes into play after marriage, that becomes a huge thing, huge point of contention. And people are not okay to let go of the caste system. They are not okay to let go of the dowry system because that establishes superiority. Um, I am much higher than you are. So you owe me so much money. You owe me so much gold. Your family owes me so much respect. And if that's the way that you're going to go forward with life, what does that say about you? Especially when you say you're a Christian, when you're the one representing Jesus, when you're the one representing God, what does that say about you? It doesn't, it doesn't put Christians in a great light. It doesn't put um, those who are so staunchly believing in the caste system and the dowry system in a good light um, because those who follow that become oppressors um, than those who are meant to be uh, people who set others free. Um, I think we don't become good representative rep we don't become good representatives of Christ when we want to follow traditions, rituals that are not even from our value systems. So how would how would someone a Christian living in India then break the caste system or not follow it? I guess I'm just trying to wrap my mind around of like part of it, it again, it might go back to the cause and effect, right? If that's the prevailing culture, is there somewhat of an element or an aspect where they're almost culturally forced or culturally like 
uh, coaxed into following it? Or does everyone actually have the individual choice to follow it or not? And I'm just asking because I don't know anything about Indian culture. I think you have the choice because one of the mm. biggest things that uh, where it plays into is when uh, in an arranged marriage, you know, the whole bio data, you get a bio data of the other person, height, weight, religion, parents' background, their skin tone. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, educational qualification, what languages they speak. You, It's pretty much like an exhaustive dating app, but then you have the entire history of the person. And then you choose, you know, like... It sounds like shopping for a car or something, like this much horsepower, this much <laughs> gas mileage, like <laughs> this many <Yeah>. miles. <laughs> yeah, and you can be specific, right? It's almost like swiping, okay, I don't like this person's color, I don't like this person's cast, I don't like this person's family background. I'm going to say no, or I'm going to say yes. Once you say yes, you go either ask for a dowry or have the question about dowry. And then once everything's set, you kind of, you know, like make the decision. Do you want to go forward with the um, alliance? Do you want to go forward with the match or not? Um, so in an arranged marriage, the caste system plays into, um, is, is a big deal. And then also the quota system when it comes to education jobs, uh, I think it also plays into that. So the backward caste or the lower caste, they have certain jobs that they can do, um, like farming, agriculture, and so on. Um, there's a whole list, same with, if you come from the forward caste, there's a whole list of jobs that you're qualified for. And those jobs are usually um, superior to the jobs that are offered to the lower caste. Um, so I think it, it's a choice to say that I don't want to look for someone based on caste, color, and religion. And then it's also a choice to say, I don't want to go into this job because of my caste, because of all the opportunities or the um, privileges that my caste offers. Um, you can say no, but it is a difficult, difficult journey because the argument to that, the other side of that is, um, you know, like the uncles or the aunties, they will say, oh, I don't want you to look at a guy because of his caste, because of the money that he has or because of his skin color, skin color. But that's what society expects. So they will not challenge breaking the system and they will also not help you break the system in the name of. I'm not the one who's trying to break this. I'm not the one who's trying to force this on you, but society is. So what will other people say? What will other people think? That is a big deal. And that, like, when you're close friends or, like, when the people around you don't want to help you move forward, don't want to help you with a certain aspect of this is what I want to do, then it becomes a challenge of do I have, you know, like, enemies or do I have... Um, barriers in my own circle like if if people in my own circle are not going to support me then how am i supposed to move forward um outside of that circle so yes it can be difficult but i've said no to looking for a guy um not seeing the cast i've said no to a dowry and it's 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 been worth it it's been freeing it's so much more peaceful it's so much more unrestrictive 
Um, but was it hard in the beginning? Yes, because I took a lot, so many conversations with my family, with, with people around me. But everyone will agree with you when you say you don't want to, you know, like go forward with things according to the caste system. Um, but when you take that step of saying no, a lot of people who you think will support you will kind of like walk away or stay on the sidelines. Um, so that's that's an independent journey. That is a journey for yourself and you have to have a lot of courage. You have to have the tenacity to walk through that. But when you come out of that, I, you know, it is worth it and uh, good things take time. And, you know, those who wait for those good things, it will it will happen to them. Uh, I strongly believe that I'm I'm a beneficiary of that. So, yes, it is possible. I, and I wow, I, I think I think you said the right word courage. And I really mm-hmm. I really do admire the courage that you have to step out of the caste system. I think that that is an insanely valuable thing. Um, and to some degree, I can relate when you talk about social pressures, when you talk about how will people see you, uh, those around you will judge you because we all face that. And, and that's, mm-hmm. that's been kind of my observation even because I worked in the church as a pastor for three years. And that was my observation there, even of people leaving the church, is that there's a lot of social pressure to denounce Christianity, to denounce faith, to pick up something else, right? And just as much as there is to stay in a church, right? Especially family pressure to continue to go to church even when you don't believe it anymore, right? And so in any regard, to kind of step out of the pressure Mm -hmm. and make the decision on your own takes courage. Um, But yeah, no, I I just, I I want to commend you on the courage to step out of the caste system and to try to walk with God on your own. So I also want to be respectful of your time and also the listener's time. So we're just about out of time for the show, but I want to give you a chance to talk about what you're doing now. What are you up to? Okay. What, if the listeners want to learn more about you, get to know you more on your podcast and everything you're doing, uh, how can they do that? Yeah, um, I think I take this as a chance for final words. I think a lot of the things that I've done, the journey that I've gone through is because of the freedom that I found in Christ. And so sure and so happy about that freedom to, to see that okay god promises that freedom and to be able to feel it experience it and to be able to share it with everyone around me is such you know it is such a i recognize it as an honor um so a lot of my work right now is helping women realize their inherited human rights so um, women and children who have been marginalized, treated as outcast, um, kind of fighting for their second chance, they're fighting, fighting for their second life. Uh, I try to help them in any way possible. Um, so I wrote a book in 2020 called The Courage to Identify Who You Are. That was sharing my story of how I navigated through life. Um, in trying to find my identity or reshape my identity. And that and that book has been uh, successful. The audience who has read it, they are able to resonate and also use it as a tool to find their own freedom, which is a win for me. Um, even the smallest of stories is a win for me. So that book is available on Amazon and has a 4.8 or 4.9 rating. And it was um, number one new release on Amazon, which was, yeah, I'll take that. 
Um, so with the success of that, I saw that it was resonating with people, but then how do you kind of reshape your identity or um, go on that journey by making everyday decisions? The larger aspect of that is easy to talk about and easy to share with people, but then um, going on that journey to find your full identity, your full potential um, is a combination of many small decisions on a daily basis. So I started a podcast in 2021, it's called The Courage to Identify. And the episodes on there are, you know, all of these small things that constitute to our daily life. Like, what is it to be a woman? What are the pressures you're gonna face? What does it mean to be a third culture kid? What does freedom of belief mean? How do you navigate grief and loss? How do you make money decisions? Uh, things like that. So I, um, some of the episodes are just me uh, sharing my experience and talking about how my brain works. And some of them are with experts who can talk um, to that subject. So season one, we launched it last year in 2021. Um, so has a 4.9 rating and it's available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Season two, we released in, on May 15th and uh, taking on stronger subjects, deeper subjects, and so might be controversial to certain people, but I think it's necessary to talk about it because it influences the, individu the individual's identity. So that is playing right now, and people can listen to the Courage to Identify podcast wherever podcasts are available. That's so cool. I'm definitely very excited for season two, and I look forward to listening to it. I have a feeling that all of my listeners like controversial subjects. So Sharon, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much, Sean. Happy to be here. Well, that wraps up today's show. So as always, thank you so much for listening. And I hope you've enjoyed the show.